Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. It is a very exciting day today on That Sounds Fun. Hey, our music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Angst and Grace. You guys know, I've told you before, I am a fan of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette shows. I have watched them for years with my friends. I think they're really fun to watch. And I never thought the day would come when we would have ourselves a bachelor on the show. But alas, today is the day, my friends. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation with Ben Higgins. He is far more than just a bachelor. That's probably how you recognize his name and his face. He is one of the founders of the Generous Movement, including Generous Coffee, which is really delicious and excellent. So y'all should try it. You know, I'm not even a coffee person and I'm like all for Generous Coffee, you guys. But Ben and I met a couple of months ago on the set of Hallmark Home and Family, a show you guys know I love being a part of, which was great because he was already scheduled to be on the pod. And so we have real life friendship, podcast friendship, and you guys are going to get to hear it today. I don't say this very much, but I think you're going to want to take notes, you guys. There are some real wisdom today. So here's my conversation with Ben Higgins. Tell me where you live in real life. I live in Denver, Colorado. So I live in like the city of Denver in North Denver. Um, I've been out here six, a little over six years now. Okay. So did you go out there before you were on the show? Did you move there before the show? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Okay. So I lived out here only about a year before the show. And then uh, I started okay. the process of doing that. And then obviously the show takes up a year or so of your life, just kind of being involved or not. And so I've been, been here and in LA a lot and I grew up in Indiana. Oh, like what part of Indiana? Are you like a South Bend kind of guy? Really close to South Bend. So I was 45 minutes south of South Bend Okay, uh, in a place called Warsaw, Indiana. A couple of my buddies that are younger than me have been uh, kind of in the becoming part of the Bachelor Nation process of being Uh bachelors on the episode. How did you get started? What even got you interested in doing the show? You know, I think for me, it was a switch up in life. Mm. I think for me, it was just shaking life up a bit, trying something different, trying to figure out what was the next stage and do something exciting. I think life had gotten too routine, too repetitive, just too uh, kind of blah. And so yeah. this was a way to to shake it up and if anything, have tell a story that was worth telling. So were you already a Christian when you started? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I would really love to dive into my faith and my belief, but for me, I've I've always believed in Christ and believed in the story of Jesus and believed that it is true. Like not just, Hey, I'm a Christian, but like, it's true. It's real. Yeah. It's accessible. And that story has continued to grow and mold and kind of refurbish itself over time. And so I was definitely um, a believer in Jesus as the show started my yeah. worldview and my faith has changed. I would say honestly, drastically during this season of life. Um, just like it will change in the next season of life. But yes, yeah. I, I was a believer in Jesus. I just didn't have maybe the full picture or as full pictures I have today and not as full pictures I have tomorrow. A lot of our friends listening are probably in a life place like you were in and I've been in before. And a lot of times faith tells us you can't have a shaking up like that or you can't yeah. choose one. You know, like like to be a good faithful person is to stay in the same thing and ignore that shaking up feeling. How did you let yourself like explore that and not not kind of fall trapped to like, I'm not allowed to walk away from some of the traditional life choices? I would honestly say that I, I can't think of many things that are less true 
then if you're a person of faith or if you have faith, you right? can't shake things up a bit. Right. I mean, I, I would just think that my response would probably be if you doubt in what you say, you believe so much that you aren't willing to shake life up a bit. What are you really saying you believe in? Okay, Ben Higgins, you just preach that. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, I think life is gritty. It's raw. It's real. There's no formula for it. There's no direct path that our, our lives will go in journeys that will take us backwards and forwards and twist us around at times. And the story of our lives may, may change and be unexpected. Mm -hmm. But if we're claiming that we believe in a God that is active and real and amongst us and within us, what are we scared of? Or what are we trying to run to? Or, or how are we trying to play God to fit this, this God into a mold? And so, yeah, I, I would honestly, I don't even know how to respond to that. Because I would say there's nothing. You did a very good job. You preached inside there, so you did an excellent job. Oh uh, yeah. To I don't know if I could. I don't know if there's anything less true in my world. Again, I might in 20 years say, "Wow, I wish I would have made that statement." But right now, where I'm at in life, faith is, in my opinion, mixing it up a bit. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing about uh, being a person of faith. Is I feel the same about some of my books, where I think. I mean, yeah, I would say things a little bit differently now than I did eight years ago when I wrote it. You yeah. know, like the problem is when we say things, they they are stuck in time a little bit, but we need to be per given permission to grow and change as humans, even if we're publicly in front of people as we're growing and changing. A hundred percent. I mean, there's definitely things I look back on that I was wrong about. And I think one of the, the cool things about my relationship with Christ from the show was being confident and admitting when I was wrong. It's really helped me have a, a better spirit of true humility because I'm not scared to actually be incorrect, to be wrong, to be challenged, to not have to prove to anybody that I know more or that I'm trying to make them feel less than because I'm, I'm in the know and they're not. It's been a really good season of life for me because of the show has allowed me to be a vulnerable show a vulnerable side of myself and be criticized for some of the things that are deepest in my heart. Yeah. Is that terrible? Uh, terrifying and terrible at first. And then incredibly life giving once you give up the fear of being known. Oh, Ben Higgins. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Keep going. So what did that look like? What do you mean you gave up the fear of being known? What does that even look like? like it could just be me. But how many people out there are, are scared to truly be known. How many people out there are saying, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Yeah, if you really right. knew me, you, you would distance yourself from me. Or if you really knew what, you know, that my heart oftentimes when I communicate with you is trying to bring you down or to point out a negative thought or feeling or to enhance an insecurity that you, I know you're already feeling, but if I could be the mm. little, the little bit of person to keep you feeling insecure, then I would feel a little bit better about myself or I would have right. one thing up on you right. in this moment. We've all had those thoughts. And so if you actually had those thoughts and you looked around at your friends and said, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. When you start accepting that, then you can start building upon it to become that, that better person that more loving person, that more kind person, that more patient person, the person that actually desires to see you flourish yeah. and your friends flourish and not the person that's just putting on the face um, and giving a smile as you say something incredibly hurtful. Right. I guess for me is, is the vulnerability and I was be better known and better seen and more seen and more known and more criticized. 
I was able to rip apart all the the layers and rip apart all the the blindfolds and start to build something that was true and authentic, mm. but also still full of mistakes, but mistakes that I was willing to accept so that I could get better. Yeah. And I would imagine that while that is going on publicly, based on what you're saying, again, this is our second full day of friendship, but based on what you're saying, I, it sounds like publicly while you were being criticized for any manner of decisions, privately, there must have been people speaking into your life that you were listening to. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there has always been people speaking into my life. The thing is, and this is, gets really complex, and this is a study that we we don't have time to dive into, but every different person that interacts in your life has a different relationship with you. And yeah. so everybody's speaking into you from different angles and different perspectives and not, there's really not truly a consistent voice that's true and accurate yeah. and real. So this is where God comes in mm. and not some fluffy God that I can pray to that knows me best and that has all of my answers in his hands. No, a God that I can like get on my hands and knees and ball to and fight for and fight with and just wrestle with. That's where um, God, I think in my world has shown up the most or where, when he's became most real is when I feel most alone. And, and so you know, yes, there's people speaking into me, but then at the same time, and you got to understand when you're on the show or when you're living life and we all have it, you know, we have a thousand people pouring really great things into our life. Oh, you're the best. You're so cool. You're right. so good at this. You're so whatever. And then you also have four or five, maybe people that are like, I don't like you. I don't trust you. You aren't the person I want you to be. You're a terrible human. And those are the people that speak the loudest. Yeah. They're so um, loud. They're so loud. And so where do you find the middle ground? Where do you find the ability to be criticized and the ability to, to change and to adapt at the same time of being confident and fearless and moving forward? And so I guess in my life, uh, the place I've found the most foundation in is is on my hands and knees trying to wrestle with God. Okay, talk about that for just a second because I, our friends listen to the podcast about a year ago, I talked a lot about the power of praying on your knees and how it changed my relationship with God. Do you literally pray on your knees sometimes? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah not all the time. Yeah. I'm not like, right. don't, yeah, don't get an image of your head that I'm a, a warrior in my garage doing that. I no, absolutely no, no. am going to get that image in my head. I'm allowed to think that. Yeah, you can you think are. It you want. <laughs> but, but I mean, do you see a difference in your prayer life when you take different stances like that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think it's a posture and it's a mindset. I think it's kind of represents where you're at in life. I mean, there's tons of stories, you know, of Jesus praying in different places or meditating in different places or, you know, different people praying in, in churches together. And one guy's, you know, push saying how great he is and how many things he's accomplished in life and how everybody should love him. The other guys on this in the corner, just beating his chest, being like, I'm a wretched human that can't yeah. get anything right. And Jesus goes, that guy gets it. There's a posture we take to prayer and to communication that I think is important. And again, I guess, yeah, getting on your hands and knees is, is kind of, it, it just feels almost sometimes like a natural response to the season of life I'm in or the yeah. day of life I'm in. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, it just, sometimes when I don't know what to say, I know I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I know I go like, okay, so the next move, I'm not exactly sure what I need to say here, but the next move is if I'm on my knees, you know, that I mean that I don't, I got nothing else to give here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm and done. I am, I am fresh out of good ideas and good words. So Lord, you just need to see it. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a bachelor long-term fan, so I've watched the whole thing, but 
the part we didn't see is I, how did your faith change because of the show? Did it affect the and and how do you when you're meeting those women? Do y'all talk about faith stuff and we just don't see it? Yes, we talk about it a lot. You just don't see it. I mean, for multiple reasons, uh, it's hard to get the full story. You don't have 30 minutes to talk about my st- my journey with God and why I believe in what I believe. And so, you know, and, and the last thing I'd want ev- the show to ever do or any show to do would be to patty cake my faith and to make it, oh yeah, he's a Christian. And as a result, like he goes to church on Sundays and that would be just a huge detriment to what I believe and why I believe what I believe and what I believe this God is. And so I'm glad they didn't show it uh, because you would have to use a whole episode and I would only want a a full episode to say, no, this is who this God is to me. And still it would probably, there would be pieces where you go, this wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This would be enough. So that, and then also you have, you know, the societal pressures of, you know, not everybody believes mm-hmm. what you believe and you have to accept that. And a show that is not a faith-based show isn't able to fully embrace a faith that other people might not share. Right. It's just true. So it's hard. Right. Um, the second is how did my faith change? Uh, I don't know if my faith changed as much as my worldview changed. So I, there, there's an interesting story I have where, you know, I went to college, everybody goes to college and Life is a little bit harder in college than it was in high school, and your eyes start to open up a little bit more in college than it did in high school, and you start to question your faith more in college than you did in high school. Yeah. But then again, I, you know, just did the really good Christian thing, and I found my little niche of Christian Christians in college and stuck to that community. And, and where'd you go to college? Sorry. Uh, Indiana University. Okay. So it was still Midwest. And so I did that, and the, you know, stuck to the little group in college that was Christian and accepting and believing. And we, we just encouraged each other. And so it was safe. Yeah. And then I went to Denver and I did the same thing. I found a great church group and I surrounded myself with Christian friends and oh, I interesting. did all that. And then here's the story. This is such a unique moment in my life. I, I was sitting in the bachelor mansion on night one, when I was on the bachelorette, I looked around me and I realized that I might be the only Christian in the room. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't the only Christian in the room, there wasn't many of us. And I felt like for the first time ever, I was in maybe the hardest situation of my life, the most confusing situation of my life, the most new situation of my life. And I was alone for the first time in my life. Right. And so this is what happened. From that moment forward, I knew that if I really believed what I said I believed, and if I had prayed as a kid for God to give me a platform to speak legitimately about him. And you did pray that as a kid. Oh, I definitely prayed that as a kid. I remember the night I prayed that as a kid, that if I believe that and I prayed for that and that that was granted to me, then this was the mo- this might might be one of the only moments that that was going to be tested. It was I going to do it or not. How old were you, Ben? Do you remember? Oh, I was young. Yeah. I remember it was I was actually it was after reading a David Robinson book. Oh, he played gosh. for the San Antonio Spurs yeah. back in the day with Tim Duncan. And he was just a great dude. And I read his book and he talked about God a lot in the book and how the NBA gave him a platform to speak about this God. So I said, that seems cool. That is so sweet. I mean, you just can't, the Lord just had to go like, okay, Ben. Yeah. Let's I see different. you. Let's we're see what happens do this. here. Wow. It might not be how you expect it to happen, but we're right. going to find You're not going to play in the work. NBA, most likely. Yeah. But. No, you're not going to do that. But we're going to wow. put you on a reality television show. Right. And so, yeah, so this was the moment that I, I realized, yes, this, it, it kind of just hit me then that this, that prayer 15 years before was going to be for lack of a better word, tested yeah. in this moment. And so- Answered. <laughs> it, it, and answered, yeah. yeah. It gave me, it gave me a, a comfort and a nice. peace to know that God was with me. And then through the show, the, my worldview started to increase because 
I got to meet people from all different walks of life, people that had didn't have two parents, people that didn't have any parents, parents, kids that had lost their parents, men who came from different faiths and different backgrounds, different places in the world. And I got to hear their stories and go, no wonder you don't believe in Jesus. Mm. Like there's there's no way I would believe in Jesus if I had a story right, like yours. Right. So, you know, and, and people who had been hurt by the church or maybe the church to them was just a really cool place to go to on the holidays because it, their grandparents wanted to go. There are so many stories and there are so many worldviews being represented that for the first time in a long time, I started to have an, a, a listening ear and I started yeah. to be able to actually hear and not judge and not critique and not assume. And it allowed me to become such a better human, just a better friend, a better participant in this big story. Um, and a more understanding participant. I have like 19 ways I want to go after that. Can you look back on your life and think of other things that you prayed as a kid that you've seen in such a direct response from the Lord? Yeah. I mean, that was one of my, that I would say, uh, that I would have a purpose was always a prayer and not just a purpose, like a a purpose where I wanted, I I was always nervous that I would be living a life that wasn't life giving or not. Mm. I I want to be a participant in this story and not just be an onlooker. I want to be a participant. So I just would pray to God that to allow me to be that participant. I mean, I think that would be one of the biggest prayers as a kid that I had on my heart was I wanted to be taken legitimately somehow, some way I wanted to have a legacy that was legitimate and a legacy that was not self-giving as much as it was being a participant in a story that was incredible because I believe in this story. Right. And so that in that moment, when you look around the room and you go, this, this is it. Like, <laughs> I don't know where, you know, that night, I didn't know where this was going to take me. Sure. I didn't know how far this was going to take me or the ups and downs it was going to take me or the confusing paths it was going to take me. But I knew that and, and that moment it hit me. This was it. I bet I hadn't thought, this is a crazy thing. I bet I hadn't thought about that prayer in 10 years. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in a room and it hits me game time. Yeah. And so then it begins and look yeah. at us now. We're friends. (laughs) Now we're friends. (laughs) The end of your prayer was we got to be friends. You didn't know that when you were 10 either. Who knew? Uh, I think that's so important for us to hear, for those of us that are people who prayed when we were kids for things, but also for our friends that are listening that are raising kids and they're listening to their kids pray. Like You kind of go like, yeah, God's going to answer all that, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to do it. Yes, yeah, so be and careful. For, right. So be careful how you, even how you handle what your child is telling you that they're praying for. That might be the most, the best lesson that you just said there. Yeah. Be careful how you handle what people are praying for, not just your child, but for people. Mm. You know, if somebody comes to you with this crazy idea and this crazy prayer and they're saying they're hurting and whatever, you know, whatever their story is, be careful how you respond. Because it could be true, right? Right. And when it and when it becomes true, I don't want to be the person on the outside that they could look at and be like, "You weren't the believer in me. Yeah. You didn't believe in this prayer, or you you doubted God." I want to be the person that they say they wrap you up and say, "Can we celebrate this together?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where they go like, "Thank you that you walked with me from the day that I thought this was a crazy thing to pray." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. is yeah. that a cooler place to be than, yeah. than the, the naysayer on the side this, to be the one that goes? that the person comes to you and goes, hey, let's go celebrate because you've been with me since the beginning. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Ben real quick to tell you about our friends over at Rothy's Shoes, y'all. Rothy's Shoes are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear anywhere. 
Y'all probably heard me talk about them before. They make really beautiful shoes for women and girls, but they make them out of plastic water bottles. They're insanely comfortable and machine washable. I have a pink pair of the pointy ones that are really bright pink, and I love them so much. They really are incredibly comfortable. And it's just cool to think that you're using shoes that are made out of recycled products. I think it fits perfectly with the conversation we're having today with Ben as well about caring about others and and thinking outside of yourself. And I I love that about Rothy's. They are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're so versatile and really cute. And they come in a wide range of colors and patterns. They're available in four different silhouettes, plus they're constantly launching new styles. So you're guaranteed to find a pair or like 11 that you love like I have. They have like playful designs that adds a pop of color to every outfit while still looking polished and professional. And since they're seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're incredibly comfortable as soon as you slip them on so that you don't have to do that like break-in period that it just like will ruin your life. I know. There's always free shipping and free returns or exchanges with no risk, no worries, and no reason not to try, you guys. It will blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills, y'all. That is insane. And here's a great thing that my sister told me the day that I got my Rothy's, she already had a pair, is how much she loves that they're machine washable. And I love that too, that you can just toss them in there and they will get all clean. It's like you have a brand new pair of shoes. Check out all their amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash soundsfun. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sounds fun to get your new favorite flats. Now back to my conversation with Ben. One thing that I've watched from the outside is it feels like you've been so intentional to be the kind of guy that is friends with any of the other guys on the show. It like you just kind of put off a like, inviting vibe to the world. Have you been intentional about that versus like returning back to your faith community in Denver and making that your, where you turn toward fully? It's an intentional decision. So yeah. Cause I want you to teach me how to do that better. I'm not sure I'm great at that. So I'm listening. Cause I want to learn how to do that really well. I don't know if I'm great either, but I'm doing it. So here's, right. here's what happens. I view these things as different communities, right? I have a really great friend group that's been with me since the beginning. I have a really great yeah. family. I have a really great, you know, work group with with the generous coffee and with the things going on there. And then I have this bachelor community that I'm not walking away from. It is a part of my story now. And it's not a part of my story like, you know, these people are famous on TV and trying to find love. No, this is this is a community that for whatever reason I've been placed into. And so And people really stay friends in that, it seems. They do. Yeah. They, and and but here's the thing, any a lot of people stay friends and their friendship is built on um events and parties and and those things aren't bad in, in, in itself but when your friendship is built on that it's not going to be everlasting it's not going to continue to to bring life into you no matter what your belief system it sure. just doesn't when your when your friendships are built on drinking together and you know going out in Vegas and getting paid for it it's going to end mm-hmm. and so for me i know how real this was i know how much it changed my life i knew i know how much it meant to my life and i know that the show in itself is a really fun thing to watch that's really crazy, but it involves really real people who are putting their emotions and their feelings on the line for everybody to see. And, and I also know then for, for one or two of them, it's going to completely change your story. I mean, yeah. once you become the, 
the person. It changes everything. And so what I don't want is for anybody to go through this and feel alone or like they can't do it or to feel overwhelmed or to feel like all of a sudden because they become that person, the bachelor, bachelorette or whatever, that they have to put on a persona or or, or be somebody they're not. If anything, I, I guess it's pretty easy. Like I, I send a text out and I say, hey, I've been through this. Yeah. Trust me, if I can do it, you can do it. Can I meet with you wherever you're at in the world to hang out, to talk and at least give you some advice or some guidance yeah, yeah. or just hear your story? And typically people are like, I know for me back in the day, I would have loved that. That would have yeah. been such a calming thing would have been for somebody to do that for me and really mean it. Like, hey, I'll spend two hours with you yeah, just to hear your story so that when all this starts spinning around you and everybody's talking about you and you're getting judged and criticized, you have a place to turn. Mm. Um, I would have loved that. And so, I mean, that's it. And then people seem to take me up on it. Yeah. There are so many of us who are walking through something right now that there will come a time in five years where we can look look back and go, hey, now I can help someone walk through that too. Yep. I think it's a real good thing you're modeling for us that like you're the alumni reaching out to the freshmen. You're not like, yeah, if he calls me, I'll go meet with him. You're like, no, I, I heard who the guy was. I got his phone number and I told him I was available Yeah. and said I'd be willing to come to where you are. Yeah. 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 No, you're huge. right. I mean, it is. It's, it's just, it feels like now my duty or, or just, it feels like my role would be to, to be there for them. And, you know, if they want to take me up on it, great. I mean, they'll do far greater things than I ever did, but they'll at least have a foundation or a pl- like a starting point with what my experience to build on. Yeah. What I keep seeing on the show is there keeps kind of being more men of faith that end up on the show in one way or another. Yeah. I feel that too. I wonder why I, I can, I cannot tell you why. I mean, maybe, and I'm sure not only, um, has ABC seen that the demographic for them is probably uh, matching that, but also for whatever reason, I think now it we've we've treaded the waters, yeah. And people of faith have gone on the show, and now you're saying you can do it, and you don't have to feel bad about it, and you don't yeah. feel ashamed of it. You can actually do it and give it a shot. I mean, it's weird. We as Christians, we've been for years putting, like we said earlier, in a side of a box, and we've made this thing really like simplified and we've made it very routine. And, uh, and I would say that, that one of the coolest things about being a believer is that no matter where you're at in the world, that there's a God that's still with you. And so why not shake it up a bit and go try new things and tread new paths that other people before you maybe haven't done. Yeah. Tell me how, um, now that you've been through these public relationships as well and public yeah. breakups, can we talk about your current girlfriend? Oh yeah. 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 She's adorable for starters. Yeah. Yeah. Does she live in Nashville or does she, she y'all just come here? Yeah, I thought girl. so. Maybe you posted one of y'all posted that y'all were here and I was like, oh my gosh, she's a Nashville girl. But tell me what you've learned about God in the process of public breakups and now finding a, a really solid, lovely girl here as well. Um, yeah, I, I think my my lesson would be that nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to God, that through breakups and through heartbreak and through confusion and all that stuff, like God stays the same. Yeah. Uh, and again, not in a fluffy, like, hey, worship song type of way, but like a real way, like that, that your identity is never in anybody else, no matter if it's a, a great relationship or not. Your identity is never um, in the relationship. It's never in the failure of yeah, the relationship. Yeah. It's in something a lot bigger. And then also, I think what God showed me is that I'm not the biggest thing out there and I can't control 
uh, my life. And so my life right. is going to move forward and I'm going to be a part of this story, um, like it or not. And it's going to have ups and downs and failures and falling. Um, and then, you know, you get in a great relationship uh, or, or just one that maybe is is uh, is not, you know, going to end in heartbreak yeah. um, in a terrible way in front of millions of people. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and you also realize what it's like to be a partner, to sacrifice and to enjoy that sacrifice and to serve with excitement. And I think all those things are really great lessons and lessons that I probably could have learned five years ago. I just, I mm. hadn't. And so mm-hmm. now I take all of those things in life and all those things that God has taught me and continue to try to package them up to be a better me. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that loss of control of our lives or not even loss, but this acknowledgement. I think that's something as a single person I've had to come around to of like, I can do so much, but I can only do so much. Yeah. Like there is a, there is a bigger story that God is writing. And at some point, I need the freedom for myself of going like, hey, you're just not in control here. Well, that's it. I mean, I think one of the best lessons we can learn every day is that you're not in control. Mm. And also I would say, because I think that idea can get confusing at times because you're like, but I am in control. I can wake up and go eat. And, you know, we start that, that idea of we're not in control can in in a negative way, make us complacent um, and make us unintentional. And so I think the better way to say it is that we're not the biggest thing out there yeah, and that we have a purpose and a passion and a mission that um, could allow us to touch and be a part of the biggest thing out there and to be working with the biggest thing out there, but we're not the biggest thing out there. And so I think giving up the pressure of saying, I've got to do this alone and I've got to do this so that, you know, my life means something because ultimately if you're participating in the story, it's going to mean a ton. We like to say it at, um, at the company that I operate um, because sometimes that can get overwhelming and it feels like everything's spinning around us and we're trying, we're a socially responsible company. So we're trying to pursue a, a mission that people can feel more known, be more known and be more loved. And sometimes that feels really convoluted and difficult, but we like to say it this way. And I like to also now add into my own life is if one person if one person's life is changed for the positive or if one person feels more known or more loved, then it was all worth it because that's the price we put on a soul. Okay. And so that's what we preach and teach into each volunteer employee, whatever is, Hey, a soul matters and don't look at it as, you know, 3000 people need to be changed. Let's look at it as if one person could be changed from our interaction or our life outside of ourselves, then it's worth it. And I think God would say it was worth it. That's good. I, I struggle with that phrase a little bit that if it, because I'm like, man, we're working really hard. You want to make a big impact, you know? Yeah. But when you tack on in a sneaky way that what you say in that sentence determines how you feel about the worth of a soul, I'm like, okay, Ben, I can get behind. Okay, fine. You do yeah. it. <laughs> I can get behind it when you go like, what is a soul worth? Well, yeah, it's worth whatever, whatever it takes, you know? But um, so that phrase makes more sense to me like that. Okay, let's talk. Well, hold on. Let's finish with your girlfriend because she's so cute. So her name's Jessica. Yeah. Lives in Nashville. How did y'all meet? Uh, I messaged her on Instagram. I heard that. That's what I thought was true. I thought you slid into her DMs. I did. I saw her I saw <laughs> her picture when I was in Nashville at a fundraiser. I randomly kind of came across it and I screenshotted her profile. It's like, it's creepy and it's weird if I messenger her now. And I was like, I'll wait. And so I waited six months and I was cleaning out my phone on Thanksgiving. Holy cow, you waited six months? Kind of forgot about it. 
Honestly, I had completely forgotten about it and I was cleaning up my phone and I came across the screenshot and I was like, yep, now's the time. So I just did it. Oh that was my it. gosh. Well done, sir. That's Thank very you. brave. I mean, I guess you are like the bachelor Ben Higgins, but still, that's still a brave move. That's still scary. Yeah. Let's, let's not, there, there was no bachelor within this. This was just me trying to say hi. Yeah. yeah there was no, like I had no more confidence then than I ever have. So really, yeah, it was just me, yeah, it was just me trying to say hi and not be weird. And then how, what happened next? Um, I, I messaged her something like, Hey, uh, I don't know if you're single and I also don't know if you're interested, but if you are interested and you are single, don't ask how I came across your pro profile, how <laughs> I know you just respond and I can tell you later. And then she responded with like, um, a funny little message. And then we just started talking and I realized that her, her, her level of empathy, kindness and faith was something I was attracted to. And so then we just kept talking and the more and more we talk the more and more those things shown yeah to be real and true and then it just continued to get to a place where it's like you know this is a good thing this is a healthy thing this is something to pursue and to to try to figure out yeah and so do you, you fly across the country a lot i mean you're flying anyway for your job yeah i fly a lot yeah i fly a ton i'm actually flying here in just a couple hours so yeah i fly what's your ton. airline of choice by the way united i'm a big united, united. i'm out of denver yeah, it's a hub. Okay, okay. We we won't fight about this. But I like, no. they lose your luggage sometimes, Ben. Well, you know what? They can lose my luggage as long as they get me there safely. Yeah, okay, there you go. And they do. They do do that very well. They do that consistently. So y'all just see each other a lot by flying back and forth and just doing the long distance thing. Yeah, I don't know if we see each other a lot. I think it's like once every three weeks we see yeah. each other. Here recently has been more... We were told from a friend of ours uh, at the beginning to to never hang out or be have a weekend together without having the next weekend already planned. Like when you're going to see each other, it just oh, helps wow. the long distance. So yeah, yeah, we see each other quite a bit. Um, but at the same time, she understands my life and I understand hers. And it's, it, there's not a pressure to, Oh my gosh, I got to go here this weekend, even though I'm dead tired and dead beat. And I've been traveling for the last four weeks just to see her. She understands it. So we try to make it as healthy as possible as well. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. What's one thing you're taking into this relationship that you haven't brought into a relationship before? Uh, patience. With um, yourself or with her or with what? Both. Okay. Um, and then I've also really worked on my reaction. So my reaction is oftentimes assumption um, and it's oftentimes negative and oftentimes uh, just not life giving. And so I've really worked on having my reaction to be slower, um, to be more thought filled um, and to be trying to push to a more positive place or a place of truth instead of a place that I assume is um, negative. And so, oh, yeah, I've really? just really worked on my reaction to things. You know, she um, says something that I don't appreciate instead of responding right away with, a negative response. It's let me breathe on this. Think about this. And what is she really trying to say here? Cause I know yeah. she's not trying to hurt me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just my, mostly my reaction. Brilliant. Well done. But generous coffee is based in Denver as well. It is. Yeah. Generous is based in Denver. We're opening up our first shop in golden Colorado in the next month. Oh, like an actual coffee shop now too. An actual coffee shop. We're going to start popping them up across the country here real soon. Listen, I saw on the Generous Coffee Instagram that y'all make Pop-Tarts, like homemade Pop-Tarts with Generous Coffee. Y'all better be having those at that coffee shop. That is our amazing employee, Maddie Short. She 
continues to bake and take pictures of her baking with coffee. And it always excites me and encourages me. And I have no clue why she does it or how she does it because <laughs> it is never directed from me. It is just something she loves. And it's something that honestly overwhelms me when she, when I, when she lets me know, or when I see a picture of some cool pop tart popping up on our feed, it stresses me out. Cause I, I, I love to cook. Uh-huh. The kitchen is one of my favorite places. I can't bake. And so <laughs> that's, that's you her got job. her for it. Yeah. I was like, those are some beautiful homemade pop tarts. She does a good job. What made you start generous in the first place? Nine years ago, Humanity and Hope United started by a buddy of mine named Riley. Um, and Humanity Hope United is an organization that operates out of Central America that believes that if you ask, it's focused on community development. And the, the formula to doing successful community development, I, I believe this now, no matter where you're in the world, yeah, is to ask the people in the community, what do you need? What do you want? How can we help? And then what do you dream of? What do you need? What do you want? How can we help? And what do you dream of? Okay. And so that gives you the, the, I guess the starting point to then start strategically trying to improve these communities. And so we, we work in these communities by not giving anything, but by working with them to help build the building blocks. So find jobs, jobs will help pay for healthcare, education, et cetera. And we'll help, we'll help be there along the way, consulting and, and helping to facilitate and doing small loans to get, you know, projects off the ground, those things. But we never want to go in and just hand out a bunch of stuff and leave because that's, takes away the empowerment. And so this organization was started by my buddy. Uh, I got to be a part of it nine years ago and it was going great. It's grown fast. um, But just like any community development project, what we didn't consider, maybe what wasn't dreamt of before was the fact that it gets really expensive and fundraising for nonprofits is really tedious. And it was my job on the board to fundraise. And it felt like every relationship I had ended up having to be a transaction or a project. So mm. every time I met a friend or a family member or whatever it was, can you donate to me and help you not? You should right. donate to me. And I hate that. I don't want that. I don't need that in my life. And it honestly just, it took away from the joy of working for the organization. So we went down to Honduras on a trip. And we brought some advisors with us to help see the place that we're at as, a, as an organization. One of the advisors said, you know, everything looks great. Your organization is doing what it says it's going to do. It's successful. All those things cross off. Great. But if for whatever reason funding runs out and you have to leave these communities, they're going to be in a worse place when you found them because you've given them a picture of what life could look like, can look like, and is being pursued. And if you just walk away now, you haven't fully equipped them to start to continuing on that mission. You have these businesses in place that you're still operating and running. You have these houses being built that, you know, aren't finished. And then again, people in the developing world, one of the familiar it seems like universal feelings is one of you're going to leave me missionaries and nonprofits have gone down time over time again with these lofty goals and words. And then all of a sudden they don't show up again and they don't show up the next week and the next week and years later, these people who are real humans with real feelings and real emotions go, they left us. We've been forsaken. And so that's one thing we can't do anyway. So that was the encouragement. The guy said, you have to find a way to sustainably fundraise for your organization. If you're going to do sustainable community development. And uh, so we came back to the United States, thought about it, figured out that we thought with the platform that had been gifted to us and the people who were involved, we could start a business, a for-profit business that could sell products in the developing world, take on investors to build a successful business that would then donate to organizations like Community Hope United and Humanity Hope United. 
you were like, this system isn't working for me. Let's just build a company yeah. <laughs> and give the money. <laughs> Let's just build a company. And so, that's yeah. so that's where Generous comes in. That's um, brilliant, bud. And we start, we sell specialty grade single origin coffee from all over the world. And then we donate 10% off the top to organizations that are doing something sustainable in the world of human injustice. So if that's sex trafficking, if that's a uh, lack of education, like a healthcare community development, whatever that is, any kind of time of human injustice, we're about humans. Uh, we love animals. We always say, but we we're about humans as a company. We invest into those organizations. Yeah. Why was coffee the right answer? Are you just like a coffee guy? Uh, we wanted uh, a product that was widely consumed by the masses that brought community together that we thought we could sell across all different religious backings and that also had a story behind it. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's two things that really bring people together, uh, you know, alcohol and coffee. And just based on kind of what demographic we were fighting for, sure. you know, we, we thought coffee fit better and we thought we could sell it easier. I mean, you don't have to have a lot, a lot of licensing for coffee. You have to have a ton of licensing for alcohol. So ah, coffee was it. Brilliant. So where can we get it? Uh, generouscoffee.com. Okay. And the Instagram, generous underscore coffee underscore, is that right? Yep, exactly. Brilliant. You know what I'm learning about you today, Ben Higgins, in our second day of friendship, is you're like secretly a pastor and secretly a genius businessman. You like hide both of these things. <laughs> you just got to get to know me better. I'm in. I fake it really well. Yeah, I just want to compliment you on on. It tells me a lot about the kind of work you do on your heart and in your own faith life where no one's watching. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. And we also, I think that one of the coolest things I've learned that we, that I didn't get to touch on just because I didn't think about it until now was we have a lot of people out there who are really generous and really excited to be generous. And so, you know, I get to talk about it, share about it, speak about it and kind of uh, sum up the story. But there is probably right now 20 different people around the country fighting for generous, working on generous, moving for generous, doing those things. Um, and they're doing it because of the goodness of their heart. So, yes, um, life is great and it's been fun and it's exciting. But at no level is this my thing. Um, not, not I can't take credit for one second of it other right. than the fact that I was the one thing I've done really good. I will say this is I have connected people and networked with people to build something that they will take far greater than I ever will. So they mm. have done the work on the ground and I just get to be the person saying, Oh, you like to serve people. You like to love on people. You drink coffee. How yeah. about you join us? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay. Ben, thank you for stars for being on the show. That is really, really kind of you. And I can't wait for all of our friends to try generous coffee. But our last question we always ask is what sounds fun? What sounds fun right now? What sounds fun to me is being on the lake in Indiana with my family and my friends cruising on a pontoon, listening to some country music. Yes. Come on. Who Who's the country artist that you can't quit right now? Uh, Eric Church. Always. Always Eric Church. Really? Love Eric Church. He just always wears glasses. I feel like I can't trust a man who always has his sunglasses on. Yeah. I'm like, show me your eyes. You know what? That's a good point. But his his through the radio, I can't see his eyes anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? When I'm just listening to him, I can't see his eyes either. You're exactly right. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. You're a friend. If there's anything I can do for you from this side, you know, just holler. You've already done it. Thank you so much. Friends, right? 
How much do we love Ben Higgins? I mean, I thought we would, but now we like know that we do. What incredibly um, important wisdom. I feel like I have a lot to process after that conversation. I'm just so grateful to him for being open and honest. And yeah, it totally feels like Ben is the kind of guy we're all going to be friends with. So I'm super grateful for him being on the show. If you get a chance, make sure you follow Ben on Instagram, Twitter, on Instagram. He's Higgins. Dot ben and you can just tell him thanks thanks for being on the show how much you appreciate and make sure you guys you order some generous coffee that is generouscoffee.com especially as you are thinking about graduation gifts as you're thinking about mother's day coming up you can grab um, some coffee to toss into those gifts especially coffee that like does good for our planet so thanks to ben and generous coffee yeah i'm so thankful for ben for making time and i'm thankful that he created a company like generous where we can be a part of doing good for the planet. So make sure you grab some of that coffee. Hey, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the place. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Who else you want to hear on the show, you guys? You guys told me Ben Higgins and we got him. So keep keep shooting over your ideas. We are working really hard to have an interesting, diverse, and friendful podcast year for you. And so we love getting your ideas. We've got a real good and fun summer coming up. But if you got some ideas for the fall, let us know some of your friends that you would like to hear on the show or some people that you go, no way would Annie ever get that person on the show. You're probably right. But like we could ask, right? <laughs> Let's give it a try. So let me know. Annie F. Downs over the place. And if you have any friends that love The Bachelor Nation like I do, why don't you share this episode with them? I think they would totally enjoy hearing from Ben. Everybody who's watched the show has been a fan of Ben. So make sure you share this episode. And if you get a chance to rate and review it, that would mean a lot. So what am I going to do for fun today? Ben wishes he was on the lake listening to country music. I may crank up some uh, Russell Dickerson. That is the, I know he's a friend of the show and I know that sounds like a plug, but I'm telling y'all that's the music I'm listening to is Russell right now. So if you haven't listened to Russell Dickerson lately, you need to go hop on Spotify and give his stuff a spin. It is really good. And another album I cannot quit is House on a Hill by Amanda Lindsay Cook. Have you guys listened to this yet? Oh my gracious. It's so good. Um, and lucky for us, she's on the show on Thursday. So you go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Ben and I will do the same and we'll see you back here on Thursday with Amanda Lindsay Cook. <laughs> 